Hello everyone, you're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Choplis. I know the power of vibrational healing by combining physics and ancient healing arts to develop a system that has amplified results with thousands of my clients and healing students. When you are ready to be able to transform your life and the lives of others, go to scientifichealer.com forward slash energize me to discover more about my intimate a program for helping healers and coaches thrive and grow their business and their results have been phenomenal. I invite you into a conversation at scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment to talk about you having more energy while growing your healing and coaching practice. Well, today we're going to talk about how what you say and do gets read by the cells of your body. And there is uh, a real reasoning behind that particular statement. And this consequently changes your health. And over the last couple of weeks in my blog articles, I've talked about DNA and epigenetics and also how seemingly healthy things can actually be harmful. And that started thinking me, me thinking down like the rabbit hole of where I was like 25 years ago and how I got to this place right now. Because 25 years ago, I was doing all the right things. I was eating a, a lean and healthy diet. I ate plenty of fish and vegetables and the healthy fats. And I took my supplements and I got up and I ran six miles before breakfast. But yet, uh, and slept well, and yet I still got sick. I mean, really sick to the point where I only would wake up like at noon and, you know, kind of futz around for a couple of hours and then collapse over in exhaustion. And my blood pressure was through the roof. I had a large tumor. I had high cholesterol. All my joints were hurting and I was, you know, running into one infection after another, including sinus infections and female infections and all kinds of little aches and pains everywhere. And so that situation <laughs> is familiar to a lot of you. I'm sure that there are a lot of you who are doing the right things or even after you find out you have a condition, you do your research and you do all the right things and you're still stuck in this place. And so I'm going to talk about today some of those processes. So I want to get very specific about what you tell yourself and even, even if you're doing all the right things, the lines of communication with yourself may have gotten fouled up and your body is doing the opposite of what you expect, let's say on your diet. So today I have in conversation with me again my wonderful and <laughs> 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 My wonderful and cheerful co-host, Gwen Leppard. Oh, really good to see you, Anastasia. And boy, is this a topic. <laughs> yeah, this oh, is a topic. Boy. I know, so many of us. And you know, it's like we get over the age of 50 or 55, and it's like everything that you did before, everything that you did before where you were keeping yourself like vibrant and healthy and cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> And it doesn't work anymore. Like uh, the stuff that I did before to keep myself lean does not work. <laughs> so all bets are off. It's like something, some switch gets flipped. And some people tell me it's like, oh, your hormones. Well, I just had them all checked. 
<laughs> Everything's right. They can't find anything wrong with you. And yet you have these symptoms and problems. So it must all be in your head, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what you're telling yourself. Well, the usual thing like 30 years ago or longer, like I remember when I was a teenager. So this was in the 1960s. <laughs> when I was a teenager, my mom would have symptoms and she'd go to the doctor and they'd give her Valium. Right. Must yeah. be it must be because she's a hysterical woman. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, so so one of the things like you know, this was back in the early nineties, and one of the things that I would tell myself often was the wrong message. And this is easy to do because there are all these people around you telling the same thing. Like my mom was telling me I was wrong. She was trying to correct my path. She thought she knew better. My, my ex-husband was telling me I was wrong. Like all these other people, because my ex-husband was so charming and convincing, everybody else was like looking at me like I was wrong. And <laughs> I know my, my mom says, why can't you just eat like everyone else? It's like, it hurts if I eat like everyone else. But yes. then even, even even doing everything right, and and I know a lot of us try to eat hard, really hard to eat right, and go to bed early, exercise, you know, and the powerful practices that that you teach as well. And but if your head and heart aren't in the game, yeah, almost if you didn't even take care of yourself at all, what what are we gonna do? You've got some answers, I know, or we wouldn't be here, sitting here having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I've learned in thousands and thousands of healing sessions over the last so many years, and in speaking to those people uh, while I did sessions, is that intentions, emotions, and thoughts are really powerful. They are things. They can alter you. And, you know, you, it's really, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Because I remember when I worked really hard to stay lean. I mean, I worked really hard to stay lean. And everybody said, well, once you accept that you're that way, that you, you know, like if I gain 10 pounds, once you accept you're that way, and I'm going, I'm never accepting I'm not that way. I'm never going to like it. So then I started to understand that accepting it and liking it were two different things. Right. So you can accept that you're that way. I accepted I was 10 pounds overweight at that point. And then I didn't have to like it. Like, you know, I didn't have to say, oh, well, you know, it's okay. It wasn't okay. <laughs> but it's the attitude that you have towards it. I used to, you know, not eat things in fear that it would put weight on me. Right. And you so, put on weight in any way. Yeah. So the fear, the fear was running. Like I'd look at it and I go, oh, I, I can't eat that, I'll add weight. And I would look at everybody eating what everybody else was eating, and I knew I couldn't eat it because I was allergic to it, right? But, but I was upset over that fact. Yeah. And so, and so there, there are like lots of things in play that really created the problem. And of course, my number one problem was living with a very difficult man. You know, as much Boy, as... a lot for your unwellness. It does. As much as, you know, I was describing him as much as he was more or less like my soulmate. You know, we had similar values. 
we had uh, similar interests, we could talk for hours on end on any topic, it was always interesting, we had a lot of laughs together, but yet he had this, he was an alcoholic, and he had this thing that he would explode a few times a day and everybody says and he would tell me well you know 23 hours and 55 minutes I'm okay and I go yeah but it's that five minutes that I'm anticipating <laughs> that's not good <laughs> constantly being in vigilance well it does a lot of um it's like being a, a rabbit your your body's always in hypertension yes exactly so right so the so some of the things I want to talk about is what what those causes are and you know one of the things that I say that you know if you take care of your body it's foundational and just by eating certain foods or using certain essential oils or smelling them or changing you know fixing your environment so your environment is better it will raise your frequency but you can lower it really quickly being in tension all day long. And that tension, that tension means that your cortisol is firing all the time. And one of the things that happens when your adrenal glands are firing, cortisol, adrenaline, DHEA, whatever you need, it's, it's, it sends uh, signals out and it constricts all your, your blood vessels. And I walked in, I was 120 pounds. I could, you know, run circles around everybody. I was in my 40s, run circles around everybody. But I walked in and my blood pressure was 165 over 115. Right? And, okay. yeah. <laughs> and fortunately, like if I had gone to a regular doctor, this was when I was living in Germany, when I was, um, if I'd gone to a regular doctor, I would have been on blood pressure pills and that would have been the end of that. And instead I went to a homeopathic doctor and that's where I really started my journey because I started understanding more and more the cause and effect. And one of the things that she would do is measure Bach flower remedies against my body. And then we'd talk about whatever came up and so it was really interesting, like, you know, whatever came up, you know, self-worth, anger, like anger issues, fear issues, all of those yeah. things. And so, and so I started journaling, right? So that's one of the things is that I didn't even know who I was anymore, right? <laughs> and so I'm sure that you've been in that same situation. And I've heard this from so many other women I'm so busy doing, 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 achieving, 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 uh, doing stuff for my kids, doing stuff for my husband, doing stuff for my household, and there's nothing left of me. Yeah, doing stuff for my business. Yeah, and now yeah. us doing stuff for our business, and there's nothing left of me, right? Yeah. So, so having that time to even sit down for 10 or 15 minutes and just close your eyes and take some deep breaths. Nobody thinks to do that because it's hard it's time. to it's yeah. time to start thinking to do that. Right. And no, nobody really does that. So, so I, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this is that I had done some research and I've also written a, a book on lowering cholesterol 
and I'd done some research on what foods shouldn't you eat because they could be dangerous. And uh, it's really interesting. So a lot of people are on these heart medications, whether they're anticoagulants, whether they're blood pressure lowering, whether they're cholesterol lowering, triglyceride lowering, whatever. There's a lot of foods, healthy foods that you can't eat with those things. That includes things like avocados, green tea, vitamin B3, which is niacin, grapefruit, and even some essential oils might be harmful. And there are also herbs. So people just take these things indiscriminately thinking, oh, they're natural and they're harmless, but they're not. And most medicine actually has a basis in what you find in herbs, like aspirin is from the bark of a willow tree. Right. Right. And, um, and so, and the statins are actually red yeast rice, which is a fungus that, that they harvest and, uh, get, you know, create pills and you take it. And it is a mild form of statin. Yeah. So, which is right, cholesterol lowering. So, almost everything has a basis in the natural. You know, it's like the the biochemical action on the body changes the biochemical pathways. It it actually interferes with them, and some of them work well, and some of them don't. And it's better to have it in the herb itself because you have all of the other cofactors with it. Right, instead so, of being taken out and put in a pill and concentrated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and so, so what if you're doing both? That's um, you were just talking about some things. So if you're taking heart medicine, you can't take herbs and, and foods. Well, so what, Saint, if taking, what if you're doing both? Well, so, so St. John's wort is a perfect example. So St. John's wort helps reduce anxiety at a lower blood pressure. It is basically an anti-anxiety and a kind of an antidepressant. It's a natural form. And it takes a lot longer to act than, let's say, taking um, some of the other, uh, so the names are now escaping me. There's like several. Like Prozac. Or- Prozac and yeah. all of the, their derivatives, right? right. So right. it's nature's Prozac. But if you take Prozac with St. John's wort, it actually increases your anxiety. They fight each other. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, chamomile is also calming. But if you take chamomile with, let's say, an anticoagulant like Coumadin or Warfarin, what will happen is that it interferes with its, with its uh, ability to stop the coagulation of blood clots, let's say, in your brain, which is stroke-causing, it'll interfere with it. You think you're safe, and you go ahead and you just carry on, but it, it actually, what it does is it runs the medicine faster through your liver, and then it doesn't have time to act. So a lot of the things that you think are helping you are actually harming you. So it's better to not get into that in the, the first place rather than right. yeah. rather than but if you are. Up, but if you are, it's those things that, you know, I I just uploaded it to YouTube. So it, it's there. Okay. And, so you um, did a, a a video on on the things to watch for interactions. Right. I, I was just gonna ask that question, you know, how do we find this stuff out? Because you know, everyone thinks chamomile tea, I mean nice relaxing tea for bedtime. I, I can't drink it during the day because it makes me so relaxed. And so, 
and, and luckily I'm, you know, I'm not on a bunch of drugs or anything, but so somebody, so if I got you right, somebody that's taking warfarin, a, a blood thinner, if they're taking chamomile tea as well, it makes the blood thinner not work. Right. It, it reduces its efficiency. Right. It's efficiency. Right. Wow. And so, okay. so, yeah. And some of the other things uh, like, you know, ginger or, I or garlic. I do yeah. ginger and garlic every day. <laughs> Me what, too. <laughs> I take a big hunk of ginger and I run it through my juicer with my, with my big stock of, you know, the entire bunch Sorry. of celery. And I drink that stuff down every morning. I know, you know, you just have to hold your nose and drink it down. But I'm thinking to myself when I'm making it, oh, this is going to be so good for my body. This is, you know, I'm getting well every day by drinking this. And it makes it makes a difference. Ever since I started it, which was you know the end of last year, I feel better, right? Okay. And there are other things. There are other factors. <laughs> and so, I'm sure that all of you that are thinking to yourselves, "Okay, I'm doing all this good stuff," so and I still got sick. And this was my thought when I when I first had it. I said, "What if I had smoked and eaten junk food and was overweight?" what would have happened to me then? I'd be dead, right? Yeah. And and some people will think, how could this have happened to me? I could have been doing all these stupid, crappy things and, you know, just relaxed and enjoyed myself. And, you know, I because I got sick anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, it is frustrating. It's really yeah. frustrating when you live a really clean life and you watch what you eat, you know, like sugar, for example, you know, and then just have a piece of fruit and you have a reaction. So, yeah. you're a scientist. What, what, what did you think? You know? So after I got over that initial thing, I says, okay, so this is what I got right now. And I got the, I got this somehow, even after doing a really good job. So I must be missing something because everything ah. is cause and effect. Right. Okay. Right. So you're, it, it's, you, you have to, when you push here, something comes out over here. So something is pushing and is coming out and I'm not thinking to myself, Oh, I got bummer of a gene. Right. I'm not thinking that at all because, because if I consider, you know, if I consider everything I've been able to accomplish in terms of, you know, my, uh, your wife, you are so vibrant and alive and well. And at this point, at this point, yeah. <laughs> and you've been through a lot of stuff. So I've been know, through a lot of stuff, but I also, you know, I got my doctorate. I had a top research job. I'm an international scientist. I've published a lot of papers. You know, I've raised two kids and now I have three grandkids. You know, when I look at the grand scheme of things, I think I have some really great genes. So what's going on? Is it my genes or is it something that I'm doing? Like what's happening? And right. right? So, so, um, you know, and I even did things like I gave up coffee, which I really love the flavor of, you know, pour a little milk in and, you know, I just had it with milk and, oh, you know, it's like I drink it and I'll be like, oh, it feels so good. I even gave up decaf because it had just enough caffeine that it bothered me. And the roasting products and coffee, they also are toxic. So I just avoided, I gave up gluten, all grains. I gave up sugar most of the time. Sometimes I go back to it. And um, I also gave up most dairy and 
you know, so my diet is really clean. It's like produce, nuts and seeds, um, high quality proteins, everything organic. And you would think that I wouldn't have gotten sick because everybody's going, oh yeah, that's a really clean diet. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? You did all of that. And then what happened? So, so then, so then after I went to that doctor, uh, Right. I went to this doctor and, you know, she started helping me look at, look, there's something going on emotionally. And it's true. I would fix these meals and I'd be sitting there chopping, chopping, chopping vegetables and fixing all these meals. And it would take a considerable amount of time because I did it for my whole family. Oh, and then in the meantime, my ex-husband would go, would like bark at me. Do we have to eat this way? Why can't you, we just go grab a hamburger? Do we have to do this? You know, this is all taking too long. You know, yada, yada, yada. You should just drink a glass of wine. Everything will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing all this stuff, getting all this grief and I'm sitting there like, I have to do this because I don't want to get bad. I want to stay lean. I want my me to be healthy. I want to live a long time or, you know, be like doing this. So I put the anger in the food. Uh, yeah. And what kind of <laughs> symptoms did you get out of that? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like every bite I ate, it was like defense. Like I would fix myself this breakfast that was different. Everybody else was eating like these really delicious fresh German pastries. And I'd be eating this little healthy pudding that I made with my, for myself with some fruit and some egg and some other stuff in it. And everybody else would be eating this stuff. And I'd be kind of like, okay, so just put the blinders on and just eat this. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not nourishing your soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. So what I'd like to do is after the break, talk a little bit more about what I did exactly, like what steps I took. You know, the first, the first step was getting awakened to the fact that I was doing these things. And then how did I get out of it? And this may be a step-by-step -step process. And I didn't do it all at once. This took a matter of years. It wasn't like, oh, I just switched, uh, flipped the switch and bang, I changed my whole life. And I, I think that that's one of the reasons why people don't take the effort. The people, yeah. you know, that, that don't, they, they just want a pill. That's why pills are great, you know, great because they take a pill and they feel better, but they don't because underneath it all, it's still all happening. So well, I'm, I'm looking forward to your step-by-step -step and, and for people to look at it as a long game. Right. And the, the thing that I want to emphasize about medications is that they should only be a stopgap measure. They should not absolutely and completely not be something that you are depending on for the rest of your life. Like, you know, pain pills should only be to help you through a healing period. If you still have pain at the other end, really look at it more closely. Uh, if you have super high blood pressure, it should only be temporary until you get your lifestyle straightened out and your blood pressure goes down. Because that happened with my husband. He had extremely high blood pressure and then um, as he lost, you know, as he went through and lost, he lost 80 pounds. As he was losing the weight, his blood pressure kept dropping. So he kept leaving off the blood pressure pills. 
And finally, the last time he checked, it was something like 100 over 60 or 100 over 50. And he thought, well, let me try leaving it off. And then he monitored every day. And then he went back to the doctor and the doctor said that he was fine. So, so you know, really it should be a stopgap measure. It should be not be something that is continuous. And yeah. the other thing about statins, for example, which lowers your cholesterol, you shouldn't ever have to take those because- um, You, you know, wrote the book on how to do it naturally. Yes, but there's also something even more insidious about it. Um, you know, red yeast rice could be a solution for you. Make sure that you don't have any reaction to it. But the, the, there's a number called NNT, means number needed to treat. And you can find this anywhere on the internet. And you look, you look up and you can look it up for any medicine, number needed to treat. It's an independent study that studies how many people are need, need to take the tablets, whatever it is, to get one positive result. And some of them, it's like five to one. So you five people need to take it to get one positive result, meaning that they've extended their life, you know, they prevented heart attacks, um, they prevented other, you know, that other problems didn't come into play. Because, but, so wow. in cholesterol, it's 220. You need to treat 220 people with statins to get one positive result. And what happens to those other people? I, I know that's, we need to go to the break. I know we need to go yeah, to the break, but oh my do. God, that's, that's like a whole nother. Right. So, show, so, so let me just finish this thread. Yes. And the problem is that 10 to 12% of the people have side effects. They develop diabetes, they develop memory problems, they develop muscular pains, some of which never go away even after you stop it. So some of the re, some of them are irreversible results. From the statins. From the statins, specifically. And, um, you know, it's, it's all in my book called Get Rid of Bad Cholesterol. <laughs> so I have to follow my own advice because I, I have it. I have high cholesterol, too. And that's why I'm working on losing the spare tire around my middle at the moment. <laughs> the, the menopausal spare tire, right? There you go. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. I was never there before that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Me either. So let's go to break. I want to remind all of our listeners that you're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Choplis. Today, my guest host is Gwen, and the topic is what to do when you're doing all the right things and it still doesn't help you get well. When we return after the break, we'll dive deeper into scientific healing and how it can work for you. You can actually do simple physical manipulations on yourself to change your mental, emotional state, release blocks, and even um, release things like pain in your body. And of course, the backup to all of these techniques, the backup is to work out also the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, and then relieve the physical. Um, I have a process that does that. We go through um, one step at a time and clean up all of, so you didn't, whatever condition that you have, whether it's mental, emotional, spiritual, or physical, whatever condition that you have, especially if it manifested in the physical, was usually years in the making. You didn't get it overnight, years in the making. One of the ways that I work is I find out when something 
uh, got manifested in your body. Like go back to that year and then rewrite the story, uncreate the story, redo the story. So it's as if it never happened. It's as if, <clears throat> if you imagine your life as a tree and here you are at birth and each decision that you make will create a different branch, right? So you have all these branches of possibilities and you're ending up somewhere along the branch. And by doing energy work, it's as if you did not make that decision and instead you made a different decision and you end up on another branch. So that's the way I view energy healing with regards to, to whatever your life is now. And the great thing is that we are infinite beings of light, powerful beings of light, and we can change our history and we can rewrite things and we can create whatever life we want. And I'm ready to have a conversation with you if that's what you'd like to have in your life, either learn it for yourself or to um, have me help you with it. So I have my contact information is scientifichealer.com forward slash contact or scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment. So you can either write me or have a conversation with me and I always answer the, you know, I always answer whatever queries come through. And I do it personally because I'm very interested in hearing out, hearing what you would like to hear. Welcome back. You're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Chopoulos. If you are a healer or coach, you can discover which is the one thing you should pay attention to first to raise your frequency and get to the next level. Go to scientifichealer.com forward slash action and download the action guide for discovering your current biggest challenge to success. Before the break, we were talking with my guest host, Gwen Leppard, about, about doing all the right things and still getting sick or not getting well. So let's continue this conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, so one of the things that I notice a lot of people is they try to do everything at once and they get overwhelmed. Yes. And then you what, don't know what's working and what isn't either. Well, and then the other problem is that you've got a process that's happening. As aside from that, you've got too many things happening and you've got your regular life to live. You've got your job or your business or, you know, your, your daily routine, whatever it is. And trying to flip everything around will turn you inside out. Like I would never recommend like starting a brand new diet that's considerably different along with starting a new exercise program, along with starting a new job and living in a new area. That's like, you know, that's, that's a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> that's a recipe for failure. And it's yeah. also something that I call perfectionism, which is a form of self-abuse. <laughs> more. <laughs> I want to know about the step process that you do. Okay. So, or you so, did. And right. And the yeah. thing is that it's not like, you know, you have 10 steps to do. And when you do the first one, you're only 10% of the way there. Sometimes the first one will get you 50% of the way there. That's good to hear. <laughs> so, so the, the, um, <clears throat> the first thing that I did, it, uh, the first thing that I did was I made a decision and the decision 
was not just a decision like, oh, I think I'm going to decide to do that. The decision was like a commitment, putting my stake in the ground and saying no more, no more to being sick, no more to accepting that I'm going to be sick the rest of my life. You know, I considered, well, you know, all my, all my grandparents and parents live a long time. So I have, I'm 40. So what am I going to do? Live 40 to 60 years like this? No. I just said, no more. I am going to, I'm going to change this. And the next thing that I started doing, as I mentioned before the break, was that this doctor was showing me that my emotional state was really important. And I never felt my emotions. Like when, when I went to a counselor one time, she says, oh, you've got to get in touch with your emotions. And I'd go like, where are they? <laughs> They're in the vibrational field, which at the time you didn't know anything about. <laughs> well, I had them sense. in your body. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just go like, I, I don't know where to get in touch with them. They would tell me that. It would be like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> mm. And so I... Um, and I realized at that point that I was suppressing them, right? Yeah. So you suppress your feelings because they're too uncomfortable to feel, right? It's too difficult. It, it is uh, painful. And, you know, I was married to an alcoholic. And so he would douse all his emotions with alcohol and I was doing it sober. Yeah, and with right, no, that's why he wanted you to have a glass of wine. <laughs> right, and, I, and with no mind-altering anything. So instead of drinking alcohol, I would somehow turn this off. So the first thing that I knew I needed to do was I needed to find out who I was. Because, you know, running around doing, 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 being a parent, being a researcher, being a wife, being a housekeeper, being, you know, all of those things that I had to know who I was because I didn't know. Plus I was, you know, my parents' daughter, right? So there was that too, because being in a Greek family, that's like inescapable, <laughs> even, even as an adult. You are your parent. So I mean, the, making this with your children and, and your, your career and alcoholic husband was the first step you did. Right. So, so I, I read a book called the artist way by um, Cameron. Yes. Julia Cameron. Cameron. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. And yes. I read, I read in the, the book that um, you could get a lot done. You could like find your creative self by writing morning pages. So I would wake up 15 minutes earlier and get out a journal and just let my pen do the writing. And all this stuff came out. I like read it going, wow, I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> yeah. And you can't type. It has to be handwritten because yep. there's something about, there's something visceral about this process of moving your arm and your pen. And I didn't guide it. I just let it flow. And yep. a lot of, a lot of a really um, amazing prose came out of it. First of all, I didn't used to be able to write. And it would be like all my thoughts would tumble down on the paper at once and it'd come out a confused jumble. 
And then it was got to the point where, you know, there's this fire hydrant of information running through my head and I would like grab the thread and then just keep pulling the thread and my pen would write it. And then that would stop that flow and then there would be the next one and I'd grab that thread and I'd just like keep writing and until that stopped. And after a while, this, this I would call it this whirlwind of feelings and emotions and information and thoughts and I got to do this and I got to do that. As soon as I put it down on the paper, it stopped. Yes. So it was really, really, really soothing. Yes. And every day then I would, I would just write whatever came to my mind and it would just calm me down so much that for the first time I stopped clenching my teeth. I started doing things more calmly. I didn't like rush around and get everything done. Oh, I got to get it all done. I got to get it all done. Like I, I always moved at breakneck speed and instead now I just like do things calmly. And you get more done in less time. No. <laughs> I actually did. I, I've, been, I've been doing the morning pages for many, many years. And I've been a very strong proponent of it off and on throughout my life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's incredibly healing. I loved hearing how you, the swirling and, and grabbing a thought and it going, the pen writing it. That was beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's how it felt. That was the image that I had as I was writing. And I had like, I don't know, about four or five feet of journals and you know, eight and a half by 11 journals, yep. both sides of the page filled up. And I, I kept kept them for a long time. And I recently opened them up and I started reading them and I go, my gosh, there's so much pain in here. And I decided to dispense of them. Yeah. Because I did not want to re revisit the pain. And yeah. I just said, you know, I release all of that. And it was really, uh, really healing to do that. So you don't have to go back and read it. The whole purpose of this is to discover who you are. Yeah. Like I found myself in the pages. The other thing that was really amazing was that part of the job that I had was I had to take you know, all the data that I collected in the laboratory, I reduced it, I created figures and I created tables, and then I would write a paper and it would take two to three weeks for one hefty publication to get all of the tables and the figures together. And then it used to take me another six to eight weeks to write the prose. And after I started doing the morning pages, it would take me two to three days to finish the prose. So it not only allowed me to, um, you know, release all of that, it actually improved my ability to express myself. And it didn't, go, it didn't go verbally. I still stumbled and bumbled. I used to say, you know, and like stutter all over my words. And sometimes I still mispronounce something because my brain is going faster than my mouth. <laughs> but, but really what it did was it just gave me, it gave me a foundation of finding out who I am and what I want. So 15 minutes in the morning, for you it was 15 minutes in the morning. Sometimes it'd go an hour, but usually right. 10, but, 15 minutes. Just. Yeah, for me it was like mostly 20 minutes because I would do three pages, what, she, um, what I'd read that she recommended to do three pages every morning. And so somebody could actually fit that into their life. If they could just get up an extra 15, 20 minutes early and do that for themselves to find out who they are and who knows what's going to come out of it. Yeah. Like you, I, I, I became a better writer. Um, I had some amazing poetry come out during that time. 
the first time that I did it. And, and it, and it does, it gets you calmer and you actually were getting more done in less time because instead of weeks to do the pros, it was hours. Right. It was hours. Yeah. Like I remember yeah, when you're frenetic, sometimes you're actually wasting time. And, right. and when you're much calmer, you, the process that you take to get things done gets it done faster, even though you're, you feel like you're going slower. It's time yeah. is a very interesting concept. Yeah. Right. And so, so the end result, like, you know, after, after a while, you have to be patient with yourself because really doing one new thing at a time, if you're already eating and doing exercise, doing this particular exercise, like, you know, there's meditating, but I think that expressing yourself is so much more powerful. Yeah. Right? Or you could meditate and write, right? You could meditate for, for two or three minutes and then write, like get calm, let a word come to you, find the word and then start writing on the word. But this is this was my initial process, and so in the process, I became gentler on myself. I when I cooked my food, instead of being angry, I would think, "Oh, this is so nourishing. I'm going to feel so good after I eat it." And um, I was also gentler on everybody else. And one of the things that I learned to do was to really love myself, because in that writing, I would like one of my exercises, which would be really helpful for people that have a lot of hateful stuff coming at them all the time, is uh, I did what you call a moral and fearless inventory, which is step four in the 12-step process. And, you know, in that, most of the time, people think a, a, a moral and fearless inventory means that you do criticism of yourself. And because I've been hearing nothing but criticism my whole life, I decided to find out what are my good qualities? What, what are they? So I'd sit there and I'd explore each thing that I thought was a good quality. And after a while, you know, I would do this like day in and day out for several days, you know, I'd take one good quality and I'd explore that. And then I would do it again and explore that. And then I would do it again and explore that. And after a while I go, you know, I'm actually a pretty good person. I do a lot of nice things for people. I'm, I'm kind. And then the other thing that was really interesting that happened almost simultaneously was that somebody filmed me doing just normal everyday things, right? And they were like filming me while I was writing my journal. And I looked up and I go, why are you filming me? I'm not moving. <laughs> and then I would make a joke. I go, oh, I can drink my tea, <laughs> you know? And I go, gee, I'm actually kind of funny. And there's this nice person. Why is everybody criticizing me? And so it, it allowed me to, to stop doing it to myself. It allowed me to appreciate me. And as soon as I started doing that, then I could look around at everybody else and appreciate them in a much bigger way. Like people that would have annoyed me otherwise stopped annoying me. Okay. I I, I wonder. Yeah. So we're almost... And I, so I want to recap. So first you made it, you put the stake into the ground. You made the decision. You made mm-hmm. the commitment. Mm-hmm. The second thing was the to journaling. Ex- the journaling to explore, what? to explore who, who am I? Who am I? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and what am I thing, feeling or thinking? What am I feeling and thinking? And so just journaling the, the morning pages and, mm-hmm. and the artist way, Julia Cameron describes that um, beautifully. Um, and so the third thing was actually taking an inventory of what you, is good about you and exactly. your, your good qualities and, exactly. and spending time with that. 
right? So and those are, those are really powerful three steps. Yes. Putting your stake in the ground and not just a decision, but a commitment. Yeah. That means that every spare moment that you have beyond, you know, taking care of yourself and your life, every spare moment goes towards moving you in that direction of into health. And you don't know what the, those things are going to be. It's not going to the doctor. It comes from here, right? It comes from inside. It's not going to the doctor and them telling you, take this, do that, do that. That's not that. Right. Right. So, so those are, yeah, those are some of those things that, that I recommend anybody who's, who's like when they come to me and they're saying, I'm so distraught and I'll say, well, what do you want? And they don't even know how to answer that question. So true. And so I'll tell them, okay, so here's two things. I want you to listen to this 10 minute meditation. And then I want you to write down for five or 10 minutes, just whatever comes to mind. And any thought you have, like if you're upset, any thought you have, just let it just come down. And then when I meet with them the following week, it's like a whole different story. And, but can you imagine, like you've been doing this for years? I did morning pages for over 10 years. Yeah. And I, I still write, but now I talk it, like I talk it out. And um, I do, you know, twice a week I have, I do put out content. It's just my thoughts, right? And when you start being able to do that, people identify with you because we all have, we all have similar pains. We all have similar issues. And so the end result was finding that I wanted, I discovered a group of people. They invited me to a Reiki class, never knew what Reiki was. And I walked in and I go, Oh, energy healing. You mean there's energy healing? And so that started me down it. I started exploring it. I'm a researcher. I started exploring it. I read all kinds of books. Uh, you know, like I read Barbara Ann Brennan's book. She's also a scientist. I read, uh, you know, books on auras, books on chakras, books on meridians, books on emotions, books on, you know, everything, every possible stuff you could you know, you could imagine, I just read and read and read, and I put them into practice. I became a Reiki master. I was teaching how to do Reiki. I was doing Reiki on myself and on other people. So I, I really started um, doing this. And, you know, over the years, I just would accumulate more and more information. And then I started thinking about adding the science into like, okay, I'm a scientist and a healer. How do I do this? Started adding the science in and everything got more powerful, more rapid. And I, I could not work as a scientist anymore. So I became a full-time healer. So that's how I ended up. So it just started with writing those morning pages. And Thank you so much for sharing that bit because I had never really heard that piece of your story of how you know how you had started with energy healing and 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 then brought in the science and how you became the scientific healer. So thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're most welcome, Gwen. So you know, so you know, and then of course me being a teacher because I was a professor for forty years, right? So me being a teacher, 
um, I, as soon as I started discovering this stuff, I started writing it. I wrote a book and then I started teaching programs. So I have a number of programs. They range from $17 up to whatever. Uh -huh. <laughs> and and the, the most fun now for me and the most exciting is now teaching people who have, some of them in the program have never done healing before. And they are doing phenomenally well. Like their whole existence has shifted. I just had a conversation yesterday where she was telling me, I, you know, I've been in corporate my whole life. I, I didn't know this existed. And now my existence is so different. I am in this place where my whole body is relaxed. And I am now just being rather than doing and this is a really different feeling. I said, do you like it? She says, oh, I love it. And now she is doing healing on animals and on people and things are happening. And she on herself too. So, so this, is, this is what it to me just like really lights my fire is being able to do that. And those programs, you can go on to my, my academy website, Scientific Healers Academy, or going to, um, <clears throat> or going to scientifichealer.com forward slash energize me to find out more about the, the certification program that I'm just talking about. And the, you know, results are phenomenal. And I'm going to do something for the first time in December. I'm going to teach all the healing protocols in a weekend retreat event. And I don't have anything written about it. But if that is something that appeals to you, please connect with me. I already have three people registered for it. And it's limited to 10. So I'm, I'm very excited to do that. And Right. And so, yeah. and the other thing I also want to add is if you buy anything for, from me and you upgrade, you get credit for whatever you bought before. That's very generous. Yes. I, but I think it's yeah. uh, right. Why should they buy the same information five times? Just, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not the same information. <laughs> no, it's built on. Yeah. It's just built on, you know, yeah. it's like every, course is a built on the previous course. So yeah. got it. Okay. Okay. So Gwen, thank you so much. And all right. This was, this was awesome fun. And I hope people that are listening have gotten some ideas of how to get started and get out of the thinking that it's something that you're not doing. It's actually something that you're not being. It's so true. Right. Yeah. Okay. And thank you for listening to Scientific Healing. And for our wonderful guest host, Gwen Leppard, let's you and I connect. Go to scientifichealer.com forward slash energize me to discover more about my intimate, in-depth program designed to help you thrive as a healer or coach while building out your practice. Enrollment is now open. When you're ready to learn more, I invite you into a conversation right now. I've reserved time on my calendar for you at scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment. This is Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. Until next time. And if you enjoyed this program, give it a thumbs up or five star rating. Share it with your friends and be sure to subscribe to my channel. <laughs>